This is, in fact, Snap on KCRW in Santa Monica, and it's Concrete Blonde who are playing live here on this Thursday night. And all I'm going to do is turn everything over to you, my dear, and your extraordinary rock and roll. This is for you, then. From the producers of KCRW's Unfictional and Lost Notes, I'm Trisha Halloran, and this is Bent by Nature. Deirdre O'Donohue and the Lost Snap Archives, Episode 2. When I've had enough, I'll get a pickup truck Drive away I'll take my last ten bucks just as far as it will go Episode 1 introduced you to the world of Snap, a free-form music radio program on radio station KCRW from 1982 until 1991. It was a center for alternative music and culture in the Los Angeles of the 80s. It was hosted by Deirdre O'Donohue, and she reinvented the idea of live music on the radio. And I'm Bob Carlson. Trisha and I both began our careers on Snap. And in this episode, I'm going to talk to some of Deirdre's friends about her life away from the microphone. Ah, but I'll stop breathing today. Because if I can't walk proud, I'd rather walk April 23rd, 1987. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Sailing at there, Ms. Napolitano. Thanks. Well, that's cool. You know, just, no one knows this. This is a little-known fact. But Deirdre bailed me out of jail not too long ago. <laughs> you bailed me out of jail, put your hands on me, and the cops said, take your hands off her, ma'am. She's in custody. Yeah. <laughs> Remember? That was the most frightening thing. I couldn't believe that they did that. In front of Texas Records, mm-hmm. I did a show, and I made a little wrong turn on the wrong one-way street. I'm Jeanette Napolitano, formerly of Concrete Blonde, and I am speaking about the glorious and legendary Deirdre O'Donohue from my home in Joshua Tree, California. There was a little record store called Texas Records in Santa Monica. When I remember we played there uh, in the record store, I was driving, my car was so awesome, it was a push-button transmission, screaming fast, Oldsmobile Cutlass. And so I remember not having shoes on, I believe, drinking quite a lot, and we did the show, and it was just great, you know, a lot of energy. And so I go to leave, and I get pulled over immediately by the Santa Monica police. I don't know why I couldn't keep my DMV situation straight uh, when I was younger, but I never had a valid license and my insurance was always lapsed and everything was all screwed up. So anyway, I don't know if I was wearing much either because I used to wear a slip a lot. That's what we did. We ran around in slips, you know, um, in vintage lingerie. It was the 80s look. So anyway, they hauled me away and Deirdre was there. And all I could remember was I believed that I had a joint in the ashtray and I just wanted it under the seat as quickly as I could get it there, which I did. And I think they towed the car, but Deirdre said, I have a couple hundred dollars in a jar in the refrigerator at home and I'll bail you out. And and so they hauled me to jail. And I remember being lovingly searched by a very large policewoman in front of very large policemen. I was just like, wow, this is, this sucks. And here I am in jail. And you know, here comes Deirdre. And I think bail was like $200 or something. 
And here comes Deirdre with her jar and her cash. <laughs> and so she bailed me out of jail. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be a bonding moment for you with anybody who bailed you out of jail? But thank you, Deirdre. My pleasure. I'll do it any time. You got the bail paid back and everything, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Okay. And then who's around? Who was the last one in the room with a jar of cash? That is your friend, my friend. And we were very good friends after that. Very good friends after that. I'm Bob Carlson, and this is Bent by Nature, Deirdre O'Donohue and the Lost Snap Archives. I began my career at KCRW as the sound mixer for most of the Snap live performances during the last three years of the show. And along with producer Mike Dodge Weisskopf, we've archived hundreds of hours of performances and Snap programs, and a lot of them haven't been heard for over 30 years. Deirdre always seemed to have a personal connection with the musicians who played on her program, and it made the interviews on Snap seem informal and intimate. There's, there's that wonderful sense of wallowing. It's, it's like being in a bathtub of hot chocolate, you know? It, it feels kind of good, but you know it's going to be sticky, that the, the odd negative side of love, the, the heartbreak, the I won't be your dog, but I'm still deeply in love with you. She thought like a songwriter. She, she saw things like a songwriter, or, and she, she perceived things like, she phrased things like a songwriter. I had never been aware, and I'm talking about until like now, how vulnerable I was in my writing. It was embarrassing, really, but I think that that is probably what she did understand and hear, um, because that's what connects with people when you're naked, you know? And I just didn't have the, the self editing skills to know that I'm even supposed to even do that at all. I was just like a faucet on full all the fucking time. That's why I think that she approached me from a self-care kind of place, like a warm blanket. Tricia Halloran began as a volunteer on Snap, and later she became one of Deirdre's closest friends. My sense of it is that she became friends with every band. I have a phone book of hers, like with names and numbers. It could be Elizabeth Fraser of the Cocteau Twins. It could be Michael Stipe of R.E.M. It could be the most, you know, unknown local band. She just became best friends with all of them. As a matter of fact, I, I remember falling asleep at her house. And uh, before she went to bed in her bedroom, and I think I was on the couch or something, you know, we passed out or something nearly. And she came and brought me a teddy bear to sleep with, you know. <laughs> She goes, here, here you go. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Deirdre. She was a very nurturing person, and every scene needs that. You know what I mean? So now, tonight, on the eve of the release of their new album, I'm real happy to have the Cowboy Junkies back in the studios on Snap on KCRW. the air, musicians tell stories of Deirdre helping them through dark times. This is Pat Fish of the Jazz Butcher Band. And I was going through some fairly extreme, not just making my own life a misery, but making everybody else's life a misery. I was having a little episode. And we started talking on the phone, Deirdre and me, and she was a little rock. 
She really, really helped my brain. This is David Lowry from Camper Van Beethoven and Cracker. I remember I'd just like call her out of the blue every once in a while and get her and we would just kind of talk about music or the business or, you know, just kind of our lives. Kind of like came like a big sister to me or something. Texas Records, the record store where Jeanette Napolitano was arrested, later became a small but influential record label, Texas Hotel Records. Michael Meister was one of the co-owners. He was a close friend to Deirdre, and he was a major influence on her musical taste. So I'm working in the record store, and in walks this woman. And very unassuming, and if I was going to really profile, I would say, there's nothing going to be in the store that she's interested in. And she came up with all these records, all these Australian bands, like the Laughing Clowns, the Triffids, and I'm like, oh my God. And she goes, um, I want to get these. And when she opened her mouth, I said, you're Deirdre O'Donoghue. I knew her voice. And she smiled. She goes, yes. You know, and so we just started talking and it just, you know, from there it just blossomed out and we became, you know, truly good, great friends over this, you know, love of music. I mean, she made you family. Well, I mean, those are some of the great, great moments of my life. But Bob, I always remember you fooling around with all the microphones and rolling up the tapes, and I'll never forget that. It's, it's embedded in my brain. I was there in my early years at KCRW as a young recording engineer. Deirdre made me a part of the Snap world. She had a great respect for the work that I did and was always very thankful. I was such a nerd straight arrow at the time that Deirdre gave me a persona to lend me an air of dangerous mystery. Bob Carlson of Carlson Chemical Industries. Bob Carlson is going to be doing a duty tonight as Carlson Chemical Industries being the sound man for Per Ubu. Bossman's Honeymoon. Ah, think about an old friend of mine. One day they're walking on their hands. One day they're crawling the streets, afraid of a strange, free, wide open land. Oh, the times they are crawling. Oh, the times they say, go, 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 God. Always alone, always alone. Always alone for that long walking home. Deirdre had a tight group of friends who all must have felt like me, a little honored to be in her inner circle. Her apartment was this magical place. It was just this basic rent control apartment, a one bedroom. But she had fabric draped places and scarves over lights and walls of CDs that were pretty organized. And she had two little birds in a bird cage. I think birds maybe came and went, but there was usually a couple of them that she really cherished, those birds. She would say, do you want to come over and have tea with me and the birds? And she always had a pot of tea on the stove, and I would go over there and just lounge around on some beanbag chair and listen to her expostulate about music. Those are very precious times. Love and Rockets. And then someone appears to assist you This one puts different doubt in your mind No words, no words, no words, no words, no more No words, no words, no words, no reasons why Deirdre didn't really talk about her past very much, even though it seemed like she had traumas in her life and she was affected by it. But sometimes Deirdre would even talk about it on the air without actually talking about it. 
you, do you imagine that you might have been happier or maybe more comfortable in another time? In 1988, music legend Brian Wilson came into the Snap studio for an interview. So you happy in these times? Oh, yeah. I, only problem, the only problem I can see is uh, loneliness. You know, I, I, I'm personally lonely inside my head, but uh, not, not over any one person. It's just that I just suffer from some loneliness. You know what I mean? Yes, I do, actually. <laughs> it, it sometimes feels lonely. Well, there's that difference between loneliness and solitude. Yeah. I mean, I think there are times when, yeah, when you do feel really alone. I enjoy the solitude. This is a philosophy. This is a way of life. You get behind the doors and you barricade yourself in there. And you just, you know, it's me and the birds and the garden, and that's it. Journalist Robert Lloyd. She was a very feeling person. She was just this Irish girl, you know from a thousand years ago, somehow. I don't know what her thoughts were about things, you know, deeper things. You could tell that she felt a lot of things. You're listening to Bent by Nature, Deirdre O'Donohue and the Lost Snap Archives. I'm Bob Carlson, and if you want to learn more about the world of Snap, we've created an entire Bent by Nature website at kcrw.com slash bentbynature with full sessions you can listen to, playlists from the episodes, and a lot more about Snap and Deirdre. And we're just getting started. There's new stuff being added there all the time. And we're going to come back to the program in just a moment. This is Bent by Nature, Deirdre O'Donohue, and the Lost Snap Archives. I'm Bob Carlson. And even though Deirdre didn't talk about her past very much, there are a few fragments of Deirdre's life that were shared with me by her sister Terry via email. Deirdre was born in New York City. She was the oldest of eight children, six boys and two girls. It was such a big family, and they never all lived in the same house at the same time. Deirdre went to Catholic school until she graduated high school. The family moved a few times from New York to Ohio, then Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Being the older sister, Deirdre used to take several of her younger siblings to B-movies at the drive-in with the family station wagon. Terry remembers that she took them all to see Psycho. She also says that Deirdre was the first feminist she ever knew. Deirdre went to Clark University in Worcester, Massachusetts and worked for the school paper. She ran for class president against three guys, one of whom was the actor John Hurd, but neither one of them won the election. She graduated in 1968 with a degree in microbiology. When she later became a DJ, Deirdre worked in radio in Boston, Detroit, and Dallas. At one point, she was told, never play two women artists back-to-back because people would change the station. Eventually, she wound up at the legendary Pasadena experimental radio station KPPC, which at the time was the radio home of the satire group known as the Credibility Gap featuring performer Harry Shearer. And that's where Harry met Deirdre. I think it was a sort of a happy time for her. She was starting to do what she loved. She was just a wonderful, bright, intense, uh, funny, sweet, and, and dark person. She really epitomized to me the height of the free or underground or alternate FM radio experience as it relates to music. Former KCRW music director Tom Schnabel can remember the first time he heard Deirdre. I used to listen to KBCA 105.1 religiously. It was a jazz station. I'm listening one afternoon, and I hear an ECM record being played, 
fact, it was Old and New Dreams with Don Cherry, Charlie Hayden, I think the drummer Colin Walcott and others. It was a typical ECM kind of visionary record. And I thought, who the heck is this? They never play this kind of music. And on comes this, this voiceover, someone who was really, really good. And a little while later, she wasn't on the air anymore. And I tracked Deirdre down and, and gave her a show. Her first show, like I said, she was buried in an ungodly time. I tried to get her a better time because I recognized her talent and other people did. There was a response, you know, from the audience and Ruth gave her the Saturday night time slot, which was much, much better. Saturday night's a party. Saturday night's a party starting at eight o'clock, a danceable mix of modern music from the mainstream to the edges. S-N-A-P. Saturday night's a party at 8 p.m. on KCRW. Well, I guess you got your invitation, because there you are. Hello, it's Saturday night at KCRW 89.9 FM. My name's Deirdre. I'll be your host. Why don't you uh, pour yourself a drink and think about dancing? Trying to please all these people around me is trying to reach for the moon. Sometimes the letters stood for Saturday Night Avant Pop. SNAP is what we're doing on Saturday night. Saturday night avant pop, something new, avant propos, whichever way you'd like it. It's uh, it's new and strange and bizarre stuff that you don't tend to hear on most of the FM airwaves these days. But that's what we're all about. It's KCRW. Once the show moved to weekdays, it was just snap. The show ran for nine years on KCRW from 1982 until 1991. I'm Deirdre O'Donoghue. This is Snap on a Friday night. And I have Paul Kelly with me, and he's brought along two of his messengers. You might have a happy family, nice house, fine car. You might be successful in real estate. You could even be a football star. You might have a primetime TV show, seen in every home and bar. But you can't take it with you. Deirdre changed KCRW and radio in L.A. She inspired listeners, and she changed lives. When Tricia Halloran started as a volunteer on SNAP answering phones, she was working in the buttoned-up corporate world by day. But a life in music started to seem much more appealing, especially when she started spending more time with Deirdre. Eventually, I started driving her home after her show. She was so knowledgeable about everything. That persona she had on the air, the big sister that knew everything, was giving you advice and teaching you things, that's exactly how she was with me in person. She just watched out for me. She recommended books. She especially saw that I was going to be a woman in a man's world of radio, and she did everything she could to prepare me for that. She recommended books to read, and she gave me advice on how to negotiate and how to ask for things and how to be a creative person in, and still make a living for yourself in a man's world. By the beginning of the 1990s, Deirdre had been having on-and-off battles with her bosses at KCRW, and at the same time, she started to develop health problems during and after remodeling work done in the studio basement. dramatic foreshadowing of the entire version. Excuse me. I'm so sorry about that. I've never had that happen to me on the air before. And I'm still sniffling. There's something really wicked in the air here since they started doing this work. 
Before John Wesley Harding, it was Pixies with Planet of Sound, Benny Profane. Who Deirdre felt house. there was something in KCRW's basement studios that was making her sick. She asked if she could start doing her show from home. I think her viewpoint was that the station wasn't the healthiest place for her to be and that she would rather try to do the show from elsewhere, and that was, was not flying. Ruth Seymour, KCRW's station manager at the time, said it was not an option for SNAP to be hosted remotely, but Deirdre insisted that the basement wasn't good for her health. There may have been some other extenuating factors, but um, it was sad. It was, it was sudden. Ruth didn't fire her. I think Deirdre just quit. She just quit. That was it. And Ruth had to find someone else. She brought me in to do that slot. I recall I got the person answering the phone got a lot of hate calls. What's he doing on the air? Where's Deirdre? What's going on anyway? You know, that kind of thing. You're listening to Lucinda Williams along with her cohort, Griff Morlicks, performing live here on SNAP on KCRW. If I had my way, I'd be in your town. I might not stay, but at least I would have been around. Cause there's something about what happens when we talk. After Deirdre left KCRW, she did a mini version of Snap on commercial radio 91X in San Diego. The show was called Snap Judgments. And she continued to do a weekend version of Breakfast with the Beatles on a Los Angeles commercial radio station, a job which had paid most of her bills even while she was at KCRW. And she had a community of close friends spread out across the globe. I have tons of letters from England and Ireland. Uh, you know, I'm here, I stayed with Dominic, I'm going to see Lady and Damien and stay and, you know, enjoy their lovely garden, and then I'm going out to the country and I'm going to stay at Tony's. And, you know, I met a boy last Wednesday and we spent the night and I'm never going to see him again and that's okay. I mean... She was all over the place. In 1992, Deirdre paid a visit to the home of singer, historian, and writer Julian Cope. She'd long played his music on Snap, and the two were friends. And now she turned up at his village in England. Um, Type in Yatesbury, uh, England, or UK, on Google Earth, and it'll fly you down. This is Julian Cope. She was in a, a bad place. It was as though... She knew that L.A. was killing her. It was physically killing her, but also she knew that an urban environment was killing her. It was very clear that she should escape. So she ended up staying at our house. Our house was a very peculiar place. Um, It's part of an old manor house. This really helped Deirdre in terms of it's so ancient that it just allows you to divest yourself of any urbanness. This village has had the same name since 855. It's a place where the ancients over 5,000 years ago put up stones and buried themselves lavishly. Uh, So if they were giving the thumbs up, saying this is a sacred landscape, everybody who's come since has um, felt the same way. Because it just puts you in that mind. It's of a total other time. So Deirdre settled into the ancient village home of Julian Cope and his wife, along with a few other house guests. 
she stayed here and started to get a bit ratty with the people that were also staying here in our absence. Um, and I understand why, because they were very um, charmingly inept and underachieving. So I would have thought it would have been a bubbling in the psychic hackles of Deirdre. It was bringing out that kind of urban thing, you know, look, you fucking idiots, you could be doing this so well and you're doing nothing. So in the end, she said, um, I want to go and move into the jockey house, a brick building behind the house, um, which is also um, ancient, but it hadn't been lived in since 1935. I mean, I said, you can't live in here. And she said, I can, it's absolutely perfect. Uh, luckily it was warm, it was... Um, so a very warm year. You'll hear many other details about Deirdre's visit to Yatesbury in a future episode of this podcast. But eventually, Deirdre headed back to Los Angeles and her Santa Monica apartment. I don't think Deirdre would have left it if it wasn't for the fact that she didn't have future plans. I think she knew that she'd cooked up some good shit and was going to have to leave it on the stove for other people to finish it. Back home, Deirdre's health problems continued, and she withdrew from many of her friends. You know, at one point, I remember saying, Deirdre, you know, you need to do something here. There's something wrong, and you need to go to a doctor. And she wouldn't go, you know, until it was kind of too late. Well, I know her well enough to say that she felt she was coming to a conclusion. One of Deirdre's close friends during this time was artist Lawrence Bogle, who lived in London. But so in order not to phone me a lot, she got me a fax machine so she could write. And that's how we went about our business, really, you know, through faxes mainly. She had a very, very sharp mind, really, really sharp. And so she used to read an awful lot. She read like mad and she she used to tell me what she'd read about. And at the time she had a, I think it was the big beginning of her being diagnosed with MS. She was researching that and she was finding out all kinds of things. And I too had started to learn how to be a healer. I'd learned how to do Reiki healing and I, I did a Reiki session with her. We didn't talk about music at all. We spoke a lot about art. We spoke about energies and spiritual stuff. She was a pagan and I was really interested in this. When I met her, she had arrived at a place where she was very grateful for lots of things because she had endured a great deal at the hands of others. Even when she faced great disappointment, she could see through to the other side of it. You know, she used to go silent for periods and um, often she'd just take herself off and she'd close all of all of the doors and she wouldn't want to speak to people so I, I kind of left her but this one period she went silent for quite 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 a while so I I was faxing her and asking her to reply and she didn't reply and then I was really worried that something was wrong so I for the first time I, I called Trisha and asked her could she could she go and find out um, could she knock on her door and then uh, a couple of days later Trisha called me back and said, she's gone, you know, terrible, terrible shock, really yeah. bad. Deirdre O'Donoghue died on January 21st, 2001. The cause of death was never disclosed.
you know, that old cliche that you make the world a better place. And she did. She made it a great place. And she was a great friend, great friend. And I, I just miss having having that kind of love around me, really. It was, I was very honoured to have, to have known her. I would always come home and I'd find like a, an album or something she wanted me to hear or a book, a little packet uh, with a note. I want to tell you about this band I heard or I've been listening to these new tapes, they're amazing, or I put together this Patfish show that I want you to come to. She lived music 24-7. It was such a huge part of her life, and it was showed me that could be my life too. And there was one moment during a SNAP program that you can identify as the one when Trisha's life in music officially began. She was taking phone calls as the SNAP volunteer one night after the live performance from Perubu. I had been working with her for a while. I don't even think I thought I could be a DJ. So we did the performance, and as was typical, she wanted to go say hi, which, as you know, was a long way around from the DJ booth to the live performance room. So she popped her head into the telephone room where I was and said, come in the studio for a minute. And she said, if I don't come back before the song ends push this button, I have the next song queued up. So I said, okay. And then she said, "And if I don't come back after that, find something else to put on. And then she left me there for like 30 minutes. And I just started playing music. And she could see me. I mean, she knew exactly what she was doing. She was chatting it up with, with uh, David, Mr. Per Ubu. And then she finally came back to rescue me. I was like, ah, oh, thank God. But instead, she goes, well, it was your set. I hope you've been keeping track of it. And she literally like pushed me into the chair, put the headphones on, and turned the mic on. That was my first time on the air. <laughs> it definitely changed my entire life. This is Trisha Halloran sitting in for a few moments while Deirdre is off visiting with Per Ubu. And off to... Uh, I don't know how to turn the card on, so we will skip ahead to the next thing that we're going to play, which is uh, Susie and the Banshees. And Trisha is here now to listen to her very first DJ appearance of any kind. I cannot believe you just played that on the air. I'm a professional now. You can't go back to my rookie experience and put that out there for everyone. Well, you're going to actually stay in the hot seat because as of now, you take over as the host of Bent by Nature. In these next episodes, the focus will move out and tell stories in the whole musical universe around SNAP. Yeah, we're going to hear much more from the live performance archives, and we have lots of stories to share over the next eight episodes. And just to name drop a little, Michael Stipe and Julian Cope will be here, as well as members of Glass Eye and the Mighty Lemon Drops and many more. We'll even go to the other side of the radio to meet two women who grew up as fans of SNAP in Los Angeles. And what's amazing is just how great it is to hear Dridger's voice again and how present and alive she sounds even now through the magic of radio. They're all just beautiful memories, so I hope you'll stick around. You'll find it on the podcast feed for KCRW Lost Notes. And next week on Bent by Nature, we'll go back to 1988 to visit with the Mighty Lemon Drops, just as they're about to have a massive college rock hit with their song Inside Out. But there's a lot more to their story and Deirdre's. So make a little room for us in your podcast feed to find out more. Bent by Nature, Deirdre O'Donohue and the Lost Snap Archives is produced by Bob Carlson and Mike Dodge Weisskopf. The digital producer is Andrea Dominic. 
production assistance by Marion Hodges and Anna Buss. KCRW's program director for music is Anne Litt. Our program director for culture is Danielle Zuberi-Fields. Special thanks to Jeff Sykes and Frida Jung. I'm Bob Carlson. Thanks for listening.